Hello, whoever said that. I got to tell you guys, this is a little more nerve-wracking than last night because there's like four times as many of you as you of you. And I don't know you guys as well because I normally go on Saturday, so those are kind of like my people. So I'm happy to extend you guys as part of my people now, and uh, be part of the Sunday morning crew. Um, so let's talk about how I got here because a lot of you don't know me, um, other than that little two-minute intro Dave gave me. And I need to breathe. I'm a little nervous. So, <laughs> so. Thank you. So I got here because a few weeks ago, I think it was probably five or six weeks ago now, um, Dave came up to me, and he'll talk about this a little later, but we're looking at kind of restructuring the leadership of second place and putting people, oh, what do we need to do? Oh, kids. All right, so this is how we dismiss our students. That's why you're waving at me from the back. I can't really see you. Um, we dismiss our kids by hooping and hollering after the count of three, and they're going to run back that way, right, guys, towards Amy, and I can't see. Um, all right, so on the count of three, one, two, three. I didn't get that memo beforehand, so I did not forget that. Um, okay, so back to my story. So... Dave approached me um, of probably five or six weeks ago, and um, you know, like the, the leadership is kind of in the process of just restructuring a little bit. So they, like Joe and Dave, have gone through and identified, you know, areas of this place that they're trying to get organized and give leadership to. So Dave asked me, um, as a trustee, to look over what it meant to kind of formalize what community means, to formalize what this gathering means. Um, how do we allow people and give people freedom and space to be like, I'm all in, I like this place, I want to do life with people. Um, and so that started this six-week-long journey for me, guys, where I have been, well, this is what happened. So I had just gotten done reading the Bible chronologically. Um, I, kinda, I like doing it. That, I think it's a great way to read it, by the way, if you haven't. And I was reading the Bible chronologically, so I just kind of wrapped up the whole story of the new church that starts in Acts, and you kind of page through the last, I don't know, 20-ish chapters of the Bible, learning about what the early church looked like and what community meant for them. And so I told Dave, I said, I'm going to take this to heart. I'm going to kind of marinate in those passages of Scripture. And so that's where I started. And I have been literally all over scripture from Genesis to Revelation, just exploring what community looked like biblically. And as I was kind of talking to Dave and talking to Joe and Sarah and other people in the middle of this journey for me, it became evident that both myself and I think us as a group, sometimes we just need an education about what the Bible says about something. Sometimes we just... As Joe talked about a, like a little bit ago, sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen to what God has to say about a subject. And so thus birthed this series that we're in right now called One, and Joe kicked it off last week. He's not here this week. He's away with Sarah doing a long soul workout, so you get me. Um, but what Joe talked about last week is he started with this question, actually, and he asked this, if you weren't here, if God prayed for you, what would he pray? So we paused, just like you did there. <laughs> and we thought about that for a second. And then we answered the question. And we flashed up last week, we don't have it today, John 17. And this first stuck out to me over these last six weeks, guys, because what Jesus prays for us, 24 hours because before he goes to the cross, he prays that we would be one. 
kind of the last thing that's on his mind about us before he dies for us is I pray, Father, that they would be one. It's pretty powerful. He could have prayed a lot of things. We need a lot of help. <laughs> but he chose to pray, pray this. Father, I pray that they would be one. And then Joe kind of recapped um, and went into Ephesians 2. And I actually want to read this. I didn't read this last night. But what Ephesians 2 talks about, specifically in 2.14, it says this. For he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus makes oneness possible. I heard someone say a few weeks ago in the middle of my research that is, you have to step outside. We have to step outside of Jesus to experience division. It has no place with him because the work that he did on the cross, dying for us, it enabled us to be one. There's no other option. It's powerful. So the big idea, like I said, is Jesus enables oneness, not sameness, because <laughs> we all know that's never going to happen, and nor should it. Jesus enables oneness. And so today, if you're not already used to the sound of my voice, um, what I'd like to start by doing is I'm going to read a story. It takes three minutes as I've timed it. <laughs> I wanted to make sure it wasn't too long or too short. Um, well, I'm going to read this story. And it leads up to the anticipation of the next chapter of what it means to be one. All right? Ready, Ange? I think she's ready. All right. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit hovers over the formless world. This team, this embodiment of oneness, decides in sovereignty to form the solar systems and our earth. Its beauty, its ecosystems, its science, they call it good but they long to share this world with another. So oneness creates mankind in his own image. In the image of oneness, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Oneness calls it very good. But perhaps being the embodiment of oneness caused questioning, wondering what could exist outside of one. So male and female betray the Trinity seeking wisdom above oneness, and sin enters the world. For centuries, mankind is lost and wandering one less. But God the Father steps in and raises up a chosen people and calls her Israel. God the Father frees Israel from chains of slavery and conquers nations so she may inherit a homeland Israel watches God the Father, powerful and mighty. He's defender and conqueror, mighty to save. He gives them a home, belonging. But as they live life in their new homeland, they grow distracted, complacent, and ungrateful for the nation, the community God the Father provided, so Israel is conquered. The community God the Father gifted them is destroyed, and Israel lives in exile and foreigner in the region. Now, centuries later, Israel, still exiled in a world overrun and ruled by the Roman Empire, a Jewish child enters the world in miraculous fashion. This child, God the Son, Jesus, grows in wisdom and understanding, living life with those he created, living within the Jewish culture, oppressed and homeless as a nation. 
Jesus gathers a group of 12 to walk with him, to teach and to nurture. The 12 walk and talk with God the Son and watch him act in authority and humbly teach of a new kingdom, a new kind of oneness. The 12 hear Jesus say just before his death, God the Father, I pray they be one. The 12 watch Jesus die and miraculously rise again. Now, the same 12, bewildered and astonished, amazed at Jesus' resurrection, they're excited about the possibilities this brings for returning Israel's homeland, ask, Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And God the Son says, don't worry about such things, but you will receive power when God the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, oneness is coming, the final part of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit and God the Son says, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave until the Holy Spirit arrives. And so they gather and wait and join constantly together in prayer. Who's excited? <laughs> like, guys, I... This verse, and we're going to touch on it in a second again, but this verse to me when I read Acts, it's so critical. Jesus, someone that like the 12 had just spent three years with, learning from, doing life with, he dies, he resurrects himself. When someone like that tells you to do something, you do it because you don't know what you're going to get anymore because he's totally amazed you beyond all understanding, right? So when Jesus looks at 12 and says, wait, we do it. It's a good instruction. Waiting is hard. You don't know what's coming, but it's exciting. So we're going to take a break. <laughs> and I have you guys stand and greet each other and ask each other this question. Are you excited for what's coming next? You still excited? Yeah. Oh, wow. So to recap our story, in case you forgot, in that five-minute important interlude, we started with oneness hovering over the earth, wanting to build and create us in his image. We're, we're designed to be part of one, but we messed that up. <laughs> We've messed it up since Genesis 3. It's been a very long time, but that, I hope you saw in that story, the Trinity is wooing us, constantly wooing us back to himself, back to one. So now... Before I go farther, and I forget, this is why I wrote a note, we need Bibles. We're going to dig into scripture, two, three different places. Get out your app, get out your analog version. If you need one, raise your hand, and there's people that'll hook you up. And when you get that, start in Acts 1, go there. We're going to start where I started six weeks ago. some people over here, I know they're making their way, our crew in the front, go to Acts 1, we're going to start with the verse that was flashed on the screen at the end of the story, Acts 1, 14, all right, let's pray actually, I'd like to pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today. I believe that you've purposed and ordained this morning. God, I've prayed and committed it to you. I'm praying that you revolutionize the way that we think this morning. 
that you would remove all preconceived notions about who we think you are, about who we think the Trinity is, and you would be free to move and organize us and transform us in ways that utterly blow our minds. In your name, amen. All right, Acts 1.14, guys. So remember, so Jesus, okay, so we talked about Jesus. The last thing he says before he is crucified is, Father, I pray they be one. One of the last things he says before he leaves planet Earth is, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. So they do that in Acts 1.14. They all join. They is, they is the 12. They all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They obey. They wait. They hang out. They're in Jerusalem for about 40, 49 days. I did research. Couldn't quite hammer out the number, but it's somewhere in that range. They're in Jerusalem until the Feast of Harvest. Now, at the Feast of Harvest, Jews came back to Jerusalem to gather to celebrate. So remember those Jews we talked about, or Jesus spoke about, Jews from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, end, Samaria and the ends of the earth, are now in Jerusalem hanging out, and then this happens. This is exciting. Flip down or move down to Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, which is right at the end of the Feast of Harvest, they were all together in one place. That group we talked about in 114 is together in one place. Suddenly a sound, say sound, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw, you're learning, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. This is crazy. This is radical. This should blow your mind, but it's powerful. It's kind of like the ultimate amazing Holy Ghost like light show. Like it's unbelievable. Like I I can't do sound effects, but when I when I sit in this verse and I have over the last six weeks, and I think about it and I try to put myself in a room with probably about forty people, probably smaller than this room. Jerusalem didn't know how to build buildings this big. And all of a sudden, it's like, that'll change the atmosphere real quick. And then you start seeing fire. And I've been kind of, I was even thinking about fire last night as I was preparing for this morning. Fire is all-consuming. And I think there's a reason that they saw fire. Because it's all-consuming. Nothing else can stand in the way of fire. It totally takes over. And then they start speaking things that are blowing their minds and they don't understand. So this is what happens. When the Holy Spirit comes, guys, we hear things we don't normally hear. We see things we don't normally see. And we speak things we don't normally say. It's that intense. The Holy Spirit arrives on the scene. The final person of the Trinity, the final definition of oneness, and he comes to change the expression of who we are, the way we interact with the world, the way we sense the world, so that we can be set apart, so that we can be one. It's radical, it's loud, it's noticeable, and we're not going to read this, but you can skim it. What happens between this verse and the ones we're about to read is, remember all those Jews were gathering in Jerusalem. Again, I kind of geek out over history. So Jerusalem at the time was about a quarter of a square mile. So there's some speculation on where exactly this room was that they were meeting. But no matter, it was so loud 
that these Jews come running. They hear the They hear it. So a quarter mile is probably like the opposite side of Amazon. So what if something happens in this room that's so crazy that people from the opposite side of Amazon are like, what is happening? They come running, and they're like, what is going on? And then Peter, the guy who denied Jesus three times, 40 days ago, gets so emboldened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people are like, yes, sign me up. I want to know Jesus. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's powerful. It's radical. Guys, when we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we cannot be the same as when we only knew God the Father and God the Son. Remember, we're returning to oneness. We need to know all three. So this is what's awesome. This is some of my favorite verses of the Bible. This early church who just experienced the power of the Holy Spirit is so radically different that by the end of Acts, read on down, in the end of Acts 2, this is happening. So read this, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves. This is not just the 12 and the group of 40 anymore. This is now the 3,000 plus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. How many know that's a miracle? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You don't get this unless Acts 2, 1 through 4 happens. You don't get this. Guys, this is oneness. When I've sat and thought about what this should be, this is what this should be. It's hard to do. It's hard to do regionally. They get themselves a little organized later. That's in the coming weeks. But you can't do this. You, we don't know, this is what I want to read, until we encounter the Holy Spirit, we don't know how to find common ground. We don't know how to live generously. We don't know how to sacrifice for one another. We don't even want to gather together. And we aren't even attractive to the world around us unless we have an encounter with who the Holy Spirit is. What I love about Acts 2 is that it starts personally. It starts with numero uno, number one, in the beginning of Acts. Like Each person in that room is consumed by the Holy Spirit, like with that evidence of fire. And by the end of Acts 2, one is plural. It means many. They're together in oneness. It has to start here before it can happen here. Alrighty, so again, the church in Acts 2, they're living so radically different as a result of a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just about power. Remember, Jesus said, wait so you can be my witness. So the Holy Spirit also makes oneness possible by bringing some practicality. Flip on over to 1 Corinthians 12. Should be a few books to your right. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Alrighty. It's all about the Holy Spirit bringing practicality. 
We need help. We've messed it up. Remember, we've messed it up for millennia. So he's going to help us out. (laughs) There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit distributes them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common, the corporate good. Down to verse 11. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another discernment, to another speaking in different types of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Holy Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Down to verse 13. This is the one that kind of set the stage for this week. For we were all baptized by one Holy Spirit so as to form one body. I sat in that verse for a while one day. And I came into this topic knowing who the Holy Spirit was, but I'm really beginning to see him in a different light, in the light of he's essential for this. We can't form one body until we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. He's essential. You can't get oneness from the Trinity until you know who he is. This is what's cool, right? Until the Holy Spirit comes, we don't know how to edify each other. Go back to that, actually, Ange, go back to the bulky slide that lists the gifts. So he brings these practical gifts so that we have to rely on each other. We're designed to rely on each other. I think we can come into a gathering, especially in a corporate one like this, and we think one person on a stage or a group of people on the stage are supposed to be the ones that edify me when I walk in this room. It's easy to get there because, you know, we're, we're sit towards the stage. Everything's like looking at the stage. But if you read this and if we really get a hold of this, guys, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to walk in the room having been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit's power and practicality and say things like this. Okay, Holy Spirit, how can I, through you, affect change in the people around me? Who in this room needs wisdom, faith, healing, prophecy, powers, discernment, Show me who that is and help me to change the atmosphere. It's a different kind of oneness, guys. It's a different kind of oneness. If we encounter the Holy Spirit in the way that they did in Acts 2, if we're bold enough to say, come Holy Spirit, interrupt me. I've been doing this a little backwards. I'd like to experience this kind of power and practicality. If we do that, guys, we can't help but be one. The end of X2 just like naturally flows out of this. And this is a few, probably months later, this is Paul talking to Corinth, explaining and bringing some structure to what happened. But before they even understood this, they experienced who the Holy Spirit was. And like, they just started living out oneness. That's, it's awesome. The band can come up with that laugh. (laughs) So I didn't talk very long on purpose. One, because I felt like, I feel like that's what the Lord wanted to say to us, and I didn't want to expand on it any more than I had to. 
Well, what we're going to do in these moments, you guys are used to singing songs if you've been here before, but we're really going to spend time with these songs, inviting the Holy Spirit to show up. The songs literally state that, come Holy Spirit. But what I've asked the band to do is to linger. I told them this, just so you're prepared. I said, when if there's a stillness that happens in a song, and you get to the point where you think it's been still for so long and it's awkward, wait longer. Jesus said, wait. Don't leave until you meet the Holy Spirit. Then he leaves. It's the last audible instruction he gave to man on earth. Wait, wait. So that's what I've told him to do. And we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. And so I wanted to let you guys know that because if they stop talking or stop singing, I don't want you to look around and wonder when the next lyric is coming. I don't want you to feel like that's awkward and they forgot the words. That's not what's happening. What needs to happen in those moments, guys, if you're not used to it, you need to just utter those words, Holy Spirit, I want to meet you. It's got to be you. I can't do it for you. The band can't invite him into your life for you. You have to want it. You have to say, Holy Spirit, come, change the way I hear, change what I see, change what I speak. Fill me with power. Fill me with these practical gifts so that I can show up with a group of people this big and in a growth group in a dorm room and make a difference and radically change the atmosphere. That's oneness. That's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. So I invite you guys to stand. And I want to say this too. In a room this big, perhaps you don't know the other two persons of the Trinity. Perhaps you don't know. you don't know who God the Father and God the Son is. And what you need to know is that you can know him today. You can know both of them today. The work on the cross that Jesus did wasn't about creating oneness. The Bible says no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wrote those words. So if you don't know the first two persons of the Trinity, meeting the Holy Spirit first would probably rock your world, right? So if you don't know who Jesus is, that's probably step one for you. It's to say, Jesus, this sounds awesome. I came in here not knowing who you are. I had a lot of baggage. I feel like I got a lot of things I've messed up, but I feel like I want to be part of this movement. I want to be part of this gathering of this oneness. And so guys, step one is Jesus, I need you. I need to know who you are. Forgive me for sin. Forgive me for messing up oneness. And I want to know you. And in that moment, guys, it's really that simple. There's work that comes after that. So once you know who Jesus and God the Father are, we're going to be bold, guys. I want to pray this prayer over us, and I'm going to get off the stage, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. But don't read this, guys. Please close your eyes. Even if you're not comfortable, if you're bold enough to want this with me, if you're bold enough to want to experience this kind of oneness, if you're bold enough to say, Holy Spirit, I want to know who you are. I need, I, I need to be changed and transformed. Lift your hands with me. 
close your eyes and I pray Holy Spirit that you would enter our midst enter our lives enter my life change the way I and we see hear speak Holy Spirit fill us with power radical power that's attractive and life-changing fill us with these practical gifts so that we may edify each other and the world around us so we can operate in the gifts you give us for the common good Holy Spirit have your way in these moments remove every preconceived notion of who we think you are we say come Holy Spirit do something radical in our lives we don't want to walk out of here the same this whole gathering is about oneness, and we know now we can't do it without you. So won't you come? Let's just take a moment. If your hands aren't already up, let's just rest here for a second. Let's just rest here for a second. Bask in the glory of the Lord. We breathe in, we breathe in, we soak you up, we soak you up, Holy Spirit, mm, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you came, we thank you that you filled us with power, with practical gifts. Heavenly Father, you know how to give good gifts. You give great gifts. Mm. Jesus, there's a reason you said wait. There's a reason. It's so we could experience this, the glory of the Lord. Spirit, we thank you for doing what only you can do. It's not about anything any of us say, me included. It's doing what only you can do when we say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way in me, have your way in us, and have your way in the world we're about to go out and live life in. Spirit, I pray that you would seal all these things in our hearts. You've equipped us. You've changed us in this room. Seal this in our hearts. Let today be a monument of our lives where we can say, after today I walked out changed. I lived differently because of a radical encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. hard to wrap something like this up. <laughs> I haven't been this kind of sobbing, sweaty mess in a very long time. Um, 
How many needed that? I needed that. And what I wanted to say before we get to some practical things is, guys, this doesn't have to happen when there's 400 people in the room. You can be sitting in your house. My favorite time is my car. <laughs> While I'm driving, it kind of gets dangerous, but <laughs> my favorite time is when I'm alone because I go a little more reckless abandon when I feel like I'm not being a, a distraction to other people. You can experience this presence of the Lord at any moment. At any moment, he wants to lavish on you this kind of power, life-changing power to change the way you see, hear, and speak. So a teaser for next week, Joe will be back. I will be here, um, but not speaking. We're gonna talk about if you've experienced the oneness, the togetherness that the Holy Spirit brings right now, it doesn't take very long in Acts for it to be threatened. The community that we read in Acts 2.42, it's only like, I think it's Acts 5, where they start to get rowdy with each other, they start to disagree, oneness starts to get threatened. And this is what next week's about, guys. Oneness has to be defended. You have to want it so bad, you're willing to defend it. So come back next week, Joel will be back, and he's gonna talk about that.